You know, in our culture today, it makes it harder for people to understand God. And, I, and we believe that one of the reasons that image of the, the dad is being diminished in this culture. A lot of people today don't really know what a, a real father looks like. You know. And a lot of people grow up without fathers, without dads in their lives. Given the divorce rate is all more than that. I believe it's it used half, I think it might be over half already of the country uh, marriages are getting into divorce in this country. I don't know around the world, but it's probably high as well. The image of the father is being tarnished in this culture, in this world today. And I believe that is Satan's agenda because it prevents people from knowing God and loving God because God has presented himself to us into this world as a father, as a dad. But this is not my message today, although this is really where we want to be, to know God, to know Him, being our father more and more. But I have a specific message for dads and as well as to our kids today. I want to talk about the fa father's greatest pain. You know, talking about Christian, God-fearing dads who are here today and in those who are online as well. I believe the most painful experience a godly father, you know, the most painful experience of a godly father is to see their children reject the Lord and live a life of sin Children living a life of rebellion and separation from God. And you might be asking, Al, why is this that this is the greatest pain of a godly father? Life without Christ, life without the Lord will lead children, will lead kids into a meaningless, empty, and purposeless life. Solomon puts it, puts this truth in this way. He says, it is a chasing after the wind. Now, what's the point of chasing wind? <laughs> Maybe it's fun for some people, but it's pointless, right? And the rejection of the Lord, when children reject the Lord, this can lead to devastating eternal consequence. You know, James... In James 4.14, I don't have any verses here to show you. I just want you to focus on what I'm saying, what I'm about to say in this message. But you can open your Bible in this, ver this passages I'm, I'm going to go through. James 4.14 tells us, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. It doesn't matter whether you're... A young child, whether you're four or five years old, or you're 80, 90 years old, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Let me tell you this. Life is short. And this is not a cliche. I know you've heard this many times, but this is the truth. Life is short. You know, a song by Casting Crowns, uh, it's called Who Am I? 
They paraphrased the, this passage in James. They said, the song says, A flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave toss in the ocean, a vapor, vapor in the wind. Life is just but a vapor, a mist, here today and gone tomorrow. You know, that, this is the reason why the Apostle Paul tells all believers, young and old, be very careful in how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of every opportunity. The King James says these words, redeem your time. Redeem your time. We hear the word redemption in terms of salvation. You know, you are redeemed by the blood of Christ. You are saved by the blood of Christ. We are also to redeem our time. We need to save our time. That's interesting. It means to convert worthless pursuits into something worthy. Convert or redeem worthless things in your life into something worthy. Think about that. We are commanded to save, to redeem, to make sure that every moment of our life is spent on worthwhile things. Because life is very short. And anything you do that will... That will not have an eternal impact or ultimately will not lead to an eternal impact is an unwise thing. So use your short life on earth wisely. Kids, even if you're very young, less than five, ten years old, use your short time on earth wisely. Spending hours on a pointless video game. Spending hours on a crappy TV series. Spending your money to satisfy your appetite for entertainment and pleasure. Is, are this wise use of your time? I like that guy at the end there. He said, no. Ambry said, no. Randy, is that true? <laughs> I like that, Amory. Good. <laughs> said, no. <laughs> Not wise, right? The kids know this, but they still do it. <laughs> right? Any pursuit that positively impacts the lives of other people and ultimately leads them to a relationship with Christ, with the creator of heaven and earth, is a worthy pursuit. And we're going to go through this show you something it is a godly dad or godly father's glory joy to see his children know love serve the lord you know when your dad see you love the lord know the lord, serve the lord it brings them joy it brings them joy it brings them fulfillment And when your kids make use of their life and their time wisely and they get to spend eternity in heaven with their dads and mom, father, father and mother, it's a joyful thing. It's eternally joyful. It's something that your parents are going to be very, very happy that you're going to be with them in heaven and you live the rest of your life you know, doing things that are good, honorable, 
and you use your time wisely, it makes them happy. It's not because they just want to, you know, force you to do things you don't like. That's not the, the, the point. Maybe that's what you think. But do it the right thing. It brings them joy. Brings them joy. You know, when last uh, Thursday we had our men's uh, gathering, and and I did ask our dads, "What is your greatest pain? And what is your greatest joy?" Pretty much all of them, even the sons who were there. <laughs> pretty much all of them. The common theme is that these things that I'm sharing you today, the the greatest pain of a father. I'm talking about God, godly fathers here. Christian, godly, Christ-fearing, God-fearing fathers. The greatest joy is to see their kids come to know Christ and love Him and serve Him. The greatest joy. Greatest fear is for their kids to turn away from Christ, reject Christ. Greatest fear, fear greatest pain. It's painful for your dads. To see you reject Christ. For your moms to see you reject Christ. It's painful. In the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man who was suffering in the place of performance in Hades. So you, I hope you all read this account. Lazarus and the rich man. You probably know this story. You know the, the rich man ended up in hell in Hades. And he was suffering and he was, he was negotiating with Abraham there knowing that he has no opportunity to get out of his situation, no opportunity to go back to earth. And he was suffering in the fires of hell. This man, this rich man who was in, who was in distress here in the, in the fires of hell was also in distress for his own family. And he pleaded with Abraham you know, at this point in this, in this parable, Abraham represented God. He pleaded with Abraham. He said, I beg you, Father Abraham, Father, send Lazarus to my family for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. This could be paraphrased in this way also. I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to speak to my family, to my kids. For I have five children who have rejected Christ. Let him warn so they will not also come to this place of pain and torment. This guy here in hell, he expresses the heart of the dads here today. They are in distress. They are concerned whenever they have a child who is far from the Lord. Dads, you can, you can sense that, right? You can sense the distress. You have that same kind of distress. Lord, save my son. Lord, do something to bring, bring my son back to you, Lord God. It's not surprising to me. It's not uncommon, by the way. For children who grow up in Christian homes... For children who, who grew up in church, like most of our kids who, who is in church, who's been in church pretty much since they've been able to walk <laughs> and, and talk. Right, kids? You've been in this church 
For long? It's not uncommon, it's not surprising, surprising to me that some of these kids who grew up in church, they feel that their parents are forcing Christianity upon them, are forcing religion upon them. They feel that the family devotions and the Bible stories, the parents or Sunday school teachers have a hidden agenda meant to turn them into monks and nuns. I think some kid thinks like that. My, my mom, I think, has an agenda here. You know, it's turning me into a priest or something. Or a pastor or something. You know, I spent time with a young man, I think two years ago, three years ago, I remember exact time. He was in his early 20s, this young man. He grew up in a Christian church. Both parents were Christians. But he rejected Christianity during his teenage years. He became non-religious. Naturally, he lived a life of sin. Because when you become non-religious, start to reject God, what's the next step? You're going to live in sin. Because... That's the natural way of people without Christ. Natural direction. And not only that, he lived a life of sin. He eventually followed a strange religion, a weird religion. I couldn't even describe what it was, but it was a strange, weird religion. And his reason for rejecting Jesus as a teenager was not because he hated God or Christ. It wasn't because he was scientifically convinced that there is no God, that the Bible is not real. That was not the reason. None of this. At the heart of his rejection, the reason why he rejected Christ was simply he did not like what his mom and dad was doing. Forcing religion upon him, forcing Christianity upon him. And he did the opposite. And his purpose was to hurt his parents. To hurt his parents. To bring pain upon his parents. He rejected Christianity because he wanted to hurt his mom and his dad for forcing Christianity upon him. That was the reason. And I believe it, it must have been painful for his father and mother. It was painful for them. But you know what surprised me? He rejected the message of his mom and dad. But when I started sharing the gospel to him, and, and after I shared the gospel to him, I did not expect this. This was not, I didn't have any hopes that he would accept Christ, but he did. He did accept Christ. Godly dads who are here, we can't force Christ upon our kids. Even bringing them to church every Sunday is not a guarantee that they will accept Christ. It's not a guarantee that they will become Christian someday. Even if they've been to church all their life. It's not a guarantee. One day, some of these kids might reject Christ. Might turn away from Christ. Even if they've been in church all their lives. 
Only the supernatural power of God, only the grace of God can bring them to faith in Christ. That's the only way. Only the power of God and the grace of God. That's the only way. Only when Jesus begins to move in their heart, change their hearts, transform them, that's the only way they're, they're going to become Christians. I know we try our best as church to teach them the truth, and that's what we should be doing continually. We need to expose them to the word, expose them to the truth, let them know the truth, because one day they're going to remember. One day they're going to remember these things. And it's a good thing that they know these things as young kids because it's going to stick. It's going to stick in their hearts and minds. And they have good memories. They're going to have good memories. So, <laughs> And this is what's going to happen to our kids. Only when the Holy Spirit demolishes, tears down their pride, their arrogance, their self-righteousness, you know, kids, when they're born into the world, they tend to be selfish. Right, kids? The younger they are, the selfish they are. Just go to a preschool. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yours is mine. Mine is mine. Everything I see is mine. If you take this, I will cry. <laughs> if you take this, I want it back. <laughs> I was seeing a dad at at a mall, at a, we were at the river walk yesterday, and I was seeing this dad, you know, playing with his son at the stairs of, uh, of uh, it was CVS, CVS Pharmacy. We were, we were there and trying to buy water, a hot day. And the dad was taking this kid up the stairs, then, then holding his hands and bringing him down like a super, like playing, yeah, it was like Superman. Okay, go down here, take back up. Down, carrying his kid. You know, the kid was, I think, one or two years old. I don't know how old. And the dad stopped. Okay, let's go. The kid started, ah, started crying. No! Ah! <laughs> Shouting. Crying. Because he wanted to do it more and more. I said, that's enough. We're done. <laughs> I said, okay. Our kids are different. They're, they're, they're selfish. They're good. River life kids are far are less selfish than the, the kid I saw yesterday. <laughs> good. Until God breaks their pride, self-righteousness, when your child reach rock bottom, when everything they believe about themselves falls apart, when they're broken, when they're empty, only then Christ will reveal himself. All of you, all of you believers here went through that. That's how you came to know Christ. You had to reach rock bottom until everything that you believe about yourself is gone, until you're empty, until all your pride is gone. That's the time you say, Lord Jesus, I want you. I need you. That's when salvation begins. Not unless that happens. They will not understand the gospel fully. They will not understand what we're doing in, here in this church Sunday after Sunday. They're going to have a hard time figuring things out. They might know some things, some parts of a puzzle, but they will not fully understand the picture until they themselves 
will go through what Saul experienced. You know what happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. God had to remove his sight. God had to remove his ability to see so that he'll be able to see Christ. Everything he knew about himself fell apart. His beliefs fell apart. Everything just came crashing down for Saul. After that happened, only then he was able to see Jesus Christ. Only then your children will have the eyes and heart to see the Lord. And I hope it will not be very painful. For me, probably it was not as painful as some people. But I know some went through a very, very dark, deep valley before they see Christ. There is no shortcut to this process. You cannot manufacture this process at home or at church. You cannot create false environments just to force people in the church or children to come to the Lord. You cannot manufacture this. It's only God who can do this. We might try, but we will not be successful. It is God's work in God's time. It is God's work and it's God's time. The most important thing dads you can do and moms as well for your kids is to pray for your sons and your daughters every day. Just pray for them every day. Bring them before the Lord every day. That's the most important thing you can do. Of course, we need to teach, do our devotion. That's part of our responsibility as dads and moms, as, as disciples of your disciple makers of your kids. But the most important thing is to pray for them. Dads, I know pain. Do though you may not show your tears, when you have a child that's that has rejected Christ or run away from Christ or rejected everything that you teach them growing up, I know you're in pain. We may not see your tears. And, and I know you ask yourself, what did I do wrong? Why is my son or daughter cold towards the Lord? Why did my son or daughter rejected the Lord or given in to a sin, a grievous sin? You know what you're doing in your heart. You blame yourself. You blame yourself. You look back the years when they were younger, growing up, and, and ask the Lord, Lord, where did I fail, O oh God? Where did I fail in raising my son, raising my daughter? Let me tell you, dads, you are not perfect disciple makers of your children. You are not perfect disciple makers. You are not perfect in reflecting the glory of God. You are not perfect dads to begin with. Yes, we can do better dads. Dads here, we can do better. And striving to be more like Christ is where our heart needs to be. Right? This is where we, we may not be perfect as dads here. But the striving... To become like Christ, to become better dads, to become becoming better disciple makers for our kids is where our heart should be. There has to be a constant striving, a constant desire 
to be better at what you do. That's where our heart should be. And this is the reason why we're in the church today. Because we want to be better as disciple makers, as followers of Christ. But I believe, even in our imperfection, in the failures that we, we, we did in the past, even in raising our kids, even the mistakes we did, these are all part of God's plan. These are all part of God's plan. I'm going to show you why. It is in the valley of life, in the, in the valleys of life, you are able to see the majesty and the beauty of mountains, of life's mountains and peaks. You know, when we were in Idaho, we, we always go up north because in, in Boise, you, you're not able to see the, the, really the wonderful mountains. You're, there are foothills around that covers the Snow Peak Mountains. So we have to drive a few minutes north and go to those lakes and valleys and places there. Once in, you're on in, those, one, in one of those lakes, especially, you know, we went, through, went there uh, fall times during the fall. The lake is so still. It's like no, no ripples, nothing. And you see a perfect reflection of a, 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 a huge snow peak. I know you probably went to Jackson Hole. You know, uh, uh, was it Jackson Hole, right? Grand and, of course, Yellowstone. But in Idaho itself, there are so amazing mountains that a lot of people probably don't know. <laughs> and, and, and it's so beautiful. You can only appreciate the beauty of the mountain and the majesty when you're down here <laughs> looking up. And I think in, that is the reason why our kids have to go through a, a, a faith journey. They have to go through the valleys of life so that when the glory of God will be revealed to them, they will, see, they will see the contrast. They will see, wow, this is how glorious God is. This is how beautiful what God has for us. The gospel is, becomes so much glorious. Because they've seen the valley. They've crawled on mud. Just like me. There was a time I was crawling on mud. Then now I see Christ. I know, wow. I see the difference. Now, let me give a perspective to our kids here. About what your parents are do, doing in behalf of you. Why they desire for you to come to church to attend Sunday school, to do devotions at home. Why do they all do all these things? Your parents live long enough to know that the things in this world, the, people, the things that people pursue in this world, while those things are not inherently wrong, like, you know, careers, education, business, entertainment, Going up the corporate ladder, I want to be a CEO one day, kind of thing. Uh, popularity, positions of power, I want my son to become president or whatever, president of, of the home association or something. <laughs> Gaining wealth. You know, these are not apparently bad things. No, these are some. And these things seem to promise happiness but they don't satisfy. 
you know, these are the things that you are going to pursue when you grow up kids. But your parents know something. Your parents know something that you probably don't understand fully yet. And I want to show this to you. Without the Lord, without Jesus Christ in your life, ultimately, all these things that I mentioned, even your education, even your dreams to become an engineer, a doctor, a nurse, or whatever, ultimately, this will lead to compromise with sin. If you are without Christ, you're going to compromise with sin. You're going to compromise with the world. You're going to compromise with Satan's agenda for this world. Satan is an agenda for this world. You're going to work, eventually work with him if you are without Christ in your life. This leads eventually to emptiness, regrets, broken relationships, broken marriages, fatherless kids. When you grow older, when you have your own kids, do you want your kids to be fatherless or motherless? Do you want that to happen? Without Christ in your life, this is what's happening to the world, right? The mere fact that 50% or more in this country go into divorce, this is what's happening to the world. Without Christ in your life, even if you pursue these things, without Christ in your life, it's going to be in the end, it's still going to lead to emptiness. I hope not bitterness or hate. But these are some of the things this will lead eventually. It's like a facade. You think that I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a nurse, I'm going to be an engineer, life is going to be good. Yes, but it's a facade. For a time, you will be excited about your career. For a time, you're going to be excited about what you're pursuing. But it's not going to last forever. One day, it's going to end. Eventually, it's going to be between you and God. A chasing after the wind. A chasing after the wind. Your parents, the reason why they do all these things, they teach you the word of God, bring you to church, do your devotions, your dads, why they want you to do this. They don't want you to go through this. They don't want you to find emptiness in the end and, and experience regret in the end, kids. I hope you understand me. This is probably more advanced than most of you, but, but I hope you understand me. Because your parents here, your dads here who belong to Christ, who are followers of Jesus, they already found an excellent way to live. They already found an excellent way of life. They're living the life Jesus promised in his word. Life to the full. We are not perfect here. Your dads are not perfect. But they are now experiencing what it means to live life to the full. Something that you will never find in the world, something that the world will never ever be able to give to you. What your parents have, the world does not have this. The world does not know this. What your parents have, what your dad has, the world is still looking for this, is still wanting for this, is still longing for this. But we have arrived. We are already here. What you have here as Christians, this is the world, this, the world is still dreaming of this. Just think about everything the world wants. Peace. <laughs> we have peace. No guilt in the heart. 
world always feels guilty. We don't, we don't have any guilty conscience or guilty feeling in us. Being in Christ. You know, the world talking about the unity of races. All the races must unite. Did you know that they will fail on this? Did you know that the governments and the world today, they're going to fail on whatever racism agenda they're going to try to do. The only place where you find racial unity is in the church. That's the only one and only place. Genuine racial unity. It's in the church. Government can never do it. Schools can never do it. Laws can never do it. Never. Because who will unite the nations? It's not the United Nations. <laughs> in fact, the United Nations has divided this world. Christ will unite the nations. And think about you here. We're, we don't belong to the same race here. Even the Filipinos, they have different races there. <laughs> the Longos, the Locanos, <laughs> the Bisaya. And they're very racist, right? <laughs> the Philippines, we are very, very racist. <laughs> and we just laugh about it, right? <laughs> we always talk about the Locanos being my mahipit sa pera and mabisaya okay, gastos ng gastos <laughs> you know, we always make fun of our quirks, right? but we still love one another, right? <laughs> it doesn't divide us at all <laughs> or maybe in your heart you, you're like angry already <clears throat> no So kids, if you don't agree, I'm sorry fathers, but I'm trying to connect fathers and kids here. Because <laughs> that's really what it is. Kids, if you don't agree with this message, then figure this out yourself. But I hope you will not take, it will not take 60 years for you to figure this out. Okay? I hope it will not take 60 years. <laughs> I hope you'll figure this out sooner. Because I don't want you to be chasing after the wind most of your life. Let's go to the parable of the prodigal son. Now, you see my heart in regards to this situation, this message as dads. And I want you to now read prodigal son with this perspective. Observe as we, read, as we go through the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. Verse 11 of chapter 15, Luke. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. This is a dad with two sons. Sons. The younger of the son said to the father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And be divided his prop and he divided his property between them, between the two sons. This is very audacious, prideful. The dad is still alive, and this son was asking the inheritance. This must have been painful to the dad. His son wants him dead somehow. 13. Not many days later, the son gathered all he had and took a, took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living, chasing after the wind. The son leaving, left home, lived his life the way he wanted to live life, spent all his money, reckless, sinful life. But he didn't know how to manage his money. Verse 14, 
when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. Oh, he's beginning to hit rock bottom. Just like what we talk about. He's beginning to change his thinking here. He began to have a need. He was very comfortable in his parents' home, like most of our kids here. They're very comfortable in their parents' home. They have a car, nice house, nice rooms, nice restrooms and everything. Food to eat every morning, lunch, and evening. They can watch TV. They can play video games. They're so comfortable. And this son left home. And he realized, wow, sarap pala ng buhay doon sa tatay ko. <laughs> Life at home was so good. And now, he lost all his money. And he needed money, so he was longing. He was longing to be fed. Oh, sorry. So, so he needed money, so he went and hired himself out to be one, uh, to the one, out to one of the citizens of the country and sent him into the fields to feed pigs so ended up working his job was feeding pigs and because he needed to eat he was hungry he was longing to be fed with the pods of the pigs ate that no one gave him anything no one gave him food so even the food of the pigs seems tasty to him already he really went rock bottom here then he came to himself this is where Christ God began began to open his mind Open his heart. Verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was a long way off, did his father say, go home, go away, get away from me? No, his father saw him and felt compassion. His dad actually ran to him, which is not very, very respectful in their culture. I mean, it's not the kind of thing they would do in their culture. But this dad, he was the one who ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, he, he said what he prepared, his, his words that he memorized to say to his father. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I can imagine this father saying, shh, shh, don't say, don't say anything more. You're good. Father embraced him, embraced him, probably kissed him. He said, Father, but the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put on the ring on his hand, the shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and cough and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this is my son. He was, de was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to celebrate. You know, kids, the reason why your parents, your dad, they do what they do, because they love you. They really love you. They really care for you. And they want the best for you, your future. They want wise things for you, good things for you. And they will grow up to be God-loving, God God-serving people of God. I'm going to end in this prayer, this song, by the way. And this is our prayer for our fathers. This song is by Steve 
green and I, I, I really love the lyrics of this song. But I'm just going to read the lyrics of this song. And I want you to imagine this whole thing as parents, especially dads. It's called Children. The title of the song is Children Are a Treasure from the Lord. I'll just read. I'm not going to sing this. <laughs> whole string, whole strings with echoes of laughter. Long after they've come and gone, for the memory of a tiny face and playful grin brings, brings a smile, reminding us again that children are a treasure from the Lord. Songs swiftly sung by the cradle, prayers whispered just before bed, and we taught them Jesus loves you in a simple song, and we pray that they won't forget their whole life long. Children are a treasure from the Lord. Those bright and trusting eyes seems to take us by surprise and they see what others, what older seems to miss. May the gift of faith they hold grow as they grow old. May they always know that God will never let them go. This is a father's prayer. At six, they begin their school days. At 16, they're driving their car. Okay. All right, if you're 16. At 21, we let go first. <laughs> but those, but but of course they'll be at home in bed by eight. Okay, 21. I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, children are a treasure, Lord. Hopes ring with echoes of laughter long after after they've come and when your kids leave home already. But this is the heart of the father of parents, especially the dad. Just knowing that our children really love the Lord is a faithful parent's passion and reward. Yes, children are a treasure from the Lord. Children are a treasure from the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are our Father. And we praise you and honor you as our heavenly dad. Lord, I pray for our dads today that encourage them, Lord. Lord, they struggle, O oh God, in many ways. But their intentions, their desire is holy and honorable before you, Lord. They might fail at times. They might falter at times, Lord. But their intentions, their desire is to please you, Lord. And their intention is because, Lord, they love their children, Lord. They love them so much sacrifice their lives for their sake, oh God. And they want the best. And the best that they desire is that their children will love you, Lord God, will know you, will serve you, oh God. And this is their passion. This is their reward, oh God. And Lord, it, I know some of our dads are grieved, oh God, because their kids have turned away from you and they live a life of sin. They live a life far from you, oh God. And they have rejected you, Lord. This brings so much pain to some of our dads, oh God. I pray that you comfort them. That, the Lord, this is all part of your plan, oh God. That, Lord, one day, right down at the bottom of that dark valley, oh God, their children eventually will see the mountaintops of your glory, Lord God. Lord, I pray that all our kids, uh, one day as they go through, for some are, are not yet there, Lord, and most of them are not yet there, but when they're at the valley of darkness, 
Lord, I pray they will see the mountaintop of your glory. They will see you, Lord Jesus. They will see you, Lord. Know you. Love you. Surrender their life to you. I pray for our kids. And I just pray for our fathers that they will be patient. Patient, praying every day. Lifting the lives of their children to your throne of grace. Whether their kids are one or 60 years old. Lord, however old they are, they will continue to pray for their kids faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen.